welcome to episode 6 of Everything Left. I'm joined once again this week by Addy. Hello. And joining us for this episode, we have a very special guest, Danielle Pallet. Hello. The Americans are taking over. <laughs> I would call myself a Texan, but okay. But don't you live in the US? Yes, that's one of those funny things. If you go around and ask people in the United States of America, they'll say they're American. You ask a Texan, they'll usually say they're Texan. It's a really interesting independent streak we have down here. Apparently, you, you just don't put Texan in the U.S., but they're very patriotic about the U.S.? Yeah, but we were our own country for at least two weeks. I'm kidding. It was for a few months, I think, before Texas got uh, incorporated into the United States. It was the Republic of Texas for, I want to say, almost a year, actually. Obviously, I, I thoroughly checked Texan history when I studied European history <laughs> in college. I had to learn it in middle school. I'm sorry. You had to learn about Texan history in middle school? Yeah, we had to take um, world history, Texas history, U.S. history. It always seemed like they, they emphasized a little too much on Texas history and U.S. history up till 1960, and then like nothing else after that because the history books haven't been written after 1960. It's funny. It's what happens with Israeli history, too, because after that, our society got divided into two parts, and they really like, don't want to deal with it. It's like the jury is still out on whether or not we want to talk about the war in Vietnam and if it was a good idea or not. So we don't bring it up, you know? Yeah, you make so many movies about it in America. And TV shows. Did you know they used real corpses in Apocalypse Now? I did not know that. That's that's quite terrifying. And the crew didn't know that, only, and they noticed it only because the set started to smell. That is... That's Stanley Kubrick, though, so that makes sense. That was Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, it was? And what did Stanley Kubrick do? Well, he did uh, A Clockwork Orange, The Shining, you know, all the stuff that made this look at Malcolm McDowell and say he's insane. Okay. Well, you're the you're the film expert in, in my circle of friends, so... I, I carry it with pride. <laughs> so, Danny, you're joining us this episode to talk to us about American politics and the upcoming election. Yes, uh, both here in 2016, um, here in the Texas level, and in 2018 for the midterms, because that's going to be a really interesting thing to see after the implosion of the Republicans and Donald Trump as uh, their presidential forerunner. So, Still think he's under alien control, Amy. Yeah, it's, it's a nicer explanation other than he's, he's just an evil man. I think you have to be somewhat intelligent to actually be considered evil. Well, you could be accidentally evil, but then people don't necessarily blame you for it. Yes, exactly. That's the difference between just being cruel and bigoted and being evil. Because then you have to think about neglect and say, because here in Texas and in America we can't get our gun control laws done right, we have toddlers grabbing guns that are left unsecured and they're shooting people with it. And the four-year-old that is shooting someone with a gun, I wouldn't consider them evil, but there was an issue of neglect. Whereas when the Deepwater Horizon oil rig blew up from neglect, I would say that someone was in charge and that was actually evil because they knew better. Because if, you, if you're if you a three-year-old with a gun, you're not actually evil because you don't know this isn't a toy. After all, guns are used as toys all the time. In toy stores, you can see people and laser tag and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you're a 20-year-old with a semi-automatic rifle 
walking on a college campus, you do have some understanding of what you're going to do with it. You know what it does, yeah. So that's actual evil. Whereas the neglectful person that forgot to put the gun lock on and the gun got in the hand of the toddler, are they evil? It could be, or it could be an quote-unquote honest mistake. It happens a lot with law enforcement. They come home and they forget to lock their guns and their kids get to it. Mm-hmm. Being neglectful doesn't always mean evil, but intentionally hurting someone with the intent to hurt. It could either be evil or just actual hate. I would definitely agree with that. So, so, so Amy... about Trump in that tone, with that nice topic about guns. So Donald Trump is in New York where they have interesting laws on gun control and safety and he just seems to be, well, I've said it before, I think he is a complete con artist with bad hair and he is willing to say whatever it takes to win. Yeah, he's definitely saying whatever it takes in the sense that from what I've seen, bearing in mind I'm only in the UK so I've not seen every single interview or every debate, but it's quite clear just from the small extracts that we get over here that he is saying whatever he needs to say in the moment to get through that particular interview or that debate he'll turn around and he'll contradict himself and he'll go against things that he has said before and it's purely because it's just like you said he's saying whatever it takes to win there and then he's definitely not got a bigger picture in mind he he's just trying to get through that particular moment it's def oh yeah That's definitely the key thing that makes all con artists work really well, is they can read a crowd, they can see what's what they like, and then just go with it. Mm-hmm. Then five minutes later, he's going to have to contradict himself. So This is like watching the movie Memento and Rewind. At some point, you just wonder how he fucked up so bad. Well, the thing with Trump is that he knew exactly what he was doing. He's not stupid, he might be foolish... But from what I've been studying, it seems like he is getting the uh, groundwork ready for Trump TV because his big payout wasn't to win, but instead to get enough attention and to have enough support so that he could have his own little version of Fox News. And is of course, Fox we have News his own version of Fox News. No, because Fox News wasn't making him money. Oh, okay, of course. The biggest issue with that, though, is he goes in with the intention of not winning. But what happens if he does win? Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't there a number of areas in America, a number of states where he's still leading? Isn't it pretty undecided still if he's going to actually win the presidency? Well, if you're asking about the polling here in Texas, yeah, that can go either way because we are so close to the margin of error. But overall, when I look at all the 50 states and like the, the big states that we already know are going to go certain ways. I mean, we've got California that's going to go to Hillary. So if you look at the race to 270 electoral college votes, California is good. East Coast states are good. It just boils down to the middle states, the battleground states, as we like to call them. And Texas may actually go blue, which will make this game over. Florida is leaning towards um, Hillary as well. So the percent chance of of, uh, of Hillary Clinton losing the presidential is, I think, around 20% or lower from uh, estimates on 538.com. Okay. So are Americans making their um, nuke shelters all nice and tidy in case Trump wins, or are they just going to wing it? 
I think we're going to wing it. I've seen those shows on on Preppers uh, where they want to make their own little bomb shelters and have their food. And the resources it takes in order to do that is insane. And most people don't have bomb shelters ready just in case uh, Trump becomes president and someone says he has tiny hands and he has his... <laughs> Tiny hands on the button. Well, I'm pretty honest, certain I'm, there's a key. There's a key before you have to hit the basic, button. Basic. And maybe he just can't get his fingers around the key. Yeah, he'll never be able to turn a key with his teeny tiny fetus hands. <laughs> I'm just imagining that, like, in movies they always show, like, a code that you have to enter. And then they have, like, two keys that you have to open simultaneously. And then you have a button. So I'm just imagining him trying to reach the keypad, but his hands get too tired because they're really small and he has to push really hard. I just want to know who invented all this, and then they have to have drills for it. It's like, okay, we're going to test this and make certain the keys work, but okay, right now it's not going to actually start thermonuclear war. We just want to make certain that the button sends a signal, so we're going to do a, a dry run. Who thought that up? I know I have to do a fire drill in my building at work just to make certain in case there's a fire, but that makes more sense. But you do work with dangerous chemicals, so it would make sense that they don't want you to get hurt. Yeah, but what we don't do is I don't light up my my chemical I want to fire to make certain that the smoke detector works, you know? (laughs) Sounds trippy. It's not like every week I get a lighter and stand right underneath the smoke detector and see if it goes off. I just thought you'd be with a cigar standing under it. That's a waste of a good cigar. Why? Just think about how suave you'd look walking out of the lab with a cigar in your hand. Like the c- most badass... cigar and a lab coat? <laughs> yes, exactly. It's the most badass, suave scientist ever. You just walk and the coat is billowing behind you with a smoking cigar between your lips. All you need to complete the look is an awesome top hat. Exactly. See, that's, top hat and that's, a super bold no. expression. That sounds good in theory, but I would turn out to look like Zoidberg from <laughs> Futurama. So, especially if he came scuttling out of the lab <laughs> on the side. <laughs> I'm imagining Zoidberg as president. That would be hilarious. He would feel out everything and then run away. No, because he'd just get like frightened at everything, and Lilo would be head of security. So, how is this not Bush presidency with Cheney running everything? Because Zoidberg is adorable, and Bush is a giant man-baby. Kind of also a way of describing Zoidberg, though. <laughs> Discussing politics and then coming to cartoons. This is, yeah, I was... <laughs> this is just my usual day. Well, the last episode, <laughs> I had to cut out about 30 minutes of Spongebob, half of which was talking about Spongebob in Germany. And, and we, were, we were talking about Trump and gay rights for both of those times. So, yeah, it doesn't take much to get us on cartoons. Cartoons are are a combination between utopia and total destruction. And it's still better than real life. Because if we live in Futurama, like, they can destroy three quarters of New New York, and we'd still be totally fine. I think it's interesting how artists can render a utopian society and still show all the faults and flaws with it. 
it's actually why I like Star Trek so much because mm. that was supposed to be a a post third world socialist utopia where mankind was no longer using greed and exploitation against each other and they were working for the betterment of their species and mankind and then they went out to the stars and out into sea space and they made the federation and then we've got Reginald Barclay who's got an addiction to the hologram so it's kind of like oh look we still have idiot problems of course Plus, then they did Deep Space Nine, which is not only the best Star Trek, no matter what anyone says, but it also goes to show things like conflicting religious beliefs, greed, war. It takes this look at the underbelly of the Federation that you never really see. You've got secret military espionage groups that are trying to maintain humanity whilst undermining the ideals of the Federation. There's secret alliances and double dealings and it's a really really good look at how if you scratch below the surface of that utopian society it's still very much like today. You know there's been there's been a rumour that Deep Space Nine was a put-together thing because Babylon 5 came out and they could not get Babylon 5 to work in the Star Trek uh, universe and Star Trek wanted to do something like Babylon 5 so they put that together and if you compare the two different series Babylon 5 is so much better because it does not pay any credence towards the we are trying to be a, a socialist utopia. It's like we still have capitalism, we still have social ills, we still have addiction, we still have a underclass, we still have income inequality. And we went out to the stars and we're apparently the bad guys because we misinterpreted something in a cultural way. Yes, I definitely recommend Babylon 5 as a show people should watch. One thing I was hoping that you'd be able to cover with us, Danny, because I'm going to be honest, I don't know a great deal about American politics. I'm from the UK, so I know I know the basics that there's two parties, one left wing, one right wing, but that's about it. We only tend to get the highlights out here. So I don't really know the ins and outs of your political system. I was hoping that you'd be able to go over some of that for myself and some of the listeners who want to learn a bit more about the intricacies. All right. Well, I will give you my my background then. In in 2000, I voted for George W. Bush because I thought I was a libertarian-leaning Republican. The Republican Party, right before George W. Bush took over, was still the, we believe in tax cuts for the rich, we believe in small government and not getting involved in stuff. And there is now a third party that's been getting a lot larger called the Libertarian Party. And they kind of believe in many similar things. Except libertarians believe in personal freedom, as in government shouldn't be regulating abortions or telling you you can't have marijuana. And you can see the nuances between a very right-wing Republican group versus a uh, libertarian, because libertarians are about personal freedoms and keeping government out of it, whereas Republicans will say, well, because of this issue, we're going to put in regulations. And it's been getting worse over time. Our abortion laws got so bad here in Texas, they were called um, targeted, uh, I forgot what it's called, it's called a trap law, T-R-A-P, and it was targeted regulation of abortion providers. Ah, there is trap, T-R-A-P. Um, down to the point where they were trying to regulate the width of the hallway because if you were going to do abortions there, you had to be able to get two gurneys to go past each other in one hallway. Yeah, I'd seen something on that, yeah. yeah Never mind that the abortion was just giving you a pill in your first trimester. 
So, or the morning after pill. And they're like, you have to have two gurneys go past each other in the hallway to hand out a pill. I was just like, Republicans are supposed to be against this kind of stuff, but they're being a hypocrite because they just want to win. And they know that if they keep pushing on the abortion issue, that they can completely turn their back on what it means to be small government. So that's the, the breakdown of Republicans versus Libertarians. Libertarians are about not taxing the um, government or not taxing the corporations and letting people do their own thing and having their own freedom. And we've got Gary Johnson running as president under that party, but he's a little weak on understanding what exactly Aleppo is, and he doesn't seem to have a prayer at all to do anything to actually compete against our two-party system. What would you do if you were elected about Aleppo? About? Aleppo. And what is Aleppo? You're kidding. No. Aleppo is in Syria. It's the, uh, it's the epicenter of the refugee crisis. Okay, got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, we have on the left side, we've got the Democrats who have been becoming more and more um, friendly to corporations since the Republican Party has gone so extreme. And then we have the Green Party, which has been pretty much the extreme left wingers that you could imagine that is in the U.S. So take the um, I want to say the yeah the Labour Party in the U.K. and that might be very close to the Green Party here. So mm. I, I, I have know, a question about yeah. the uh, third party. Mm -hmm. you, you guys have an uh, option for a third candidate, which usually isn't something that people give much thought to, but because of the whole Bernie and Hillary thing, it kind of just popped up more and more. But you guys have more than another candidate who's running as a third party, which I don't understand, because how do you, if you do vote for one of the others, how do you do it? Or do you just vote for a third party and hope for the best? Or what? what's going on with that? Well, the situation with the third party and third or fourth or whatever parties, it's just that there's two that are predominantly in U.S. politics. And if you want to run for office, you can either run as a Republican or as a Democrat because they're the established parties and there is paperwork you do. I'm actually running for office in 2018 as a Democrat. So I already have the paperwork to run as one of those main parties. And there's, there are certain hurdles I have to reach. I have to either pay a certain fee to get onto the um, primary ballot for that party because they're so large, they're established everywhere. Or I will have to do something else through the local government in order to prove I'm running with this third party. And it's a lower threshold. But I don't go through that primary process. I only go on a straight ballot at the general election. And the issue there is because there's such an established two-party system here that the third party as an independent, as a libertarian, as a green, as a constitutionalist, um, they have every right to run. But because there is such a lower amount of uh, attention to it and funding that the voters usually don't turn out for them. So and then in California, where we have all the crazy things going on, there's something called the American Independent Party. So in California, if you want to register as a 
person who is not affiliated with any party, you have to say unaffiliated or no party preference. If you say you're independent, they mark you down for American Independent Party. And that is a super right-wing group that specifically took that name in order to bolster their numbers when it comes to, we have all these people in our party here in California. And it's just, it's a ruse. So I saw the uh, candidates, like um, this doctor woman that wants to cut back on student loans or something? Uh, Dr. Jill Stein is the Green Party candidate, and she wants to do something called quantitative easing. The concept is similar to what we did for the bailout in 2008, where I want to say it's the Fed pretty much made the money to pay off the debt and paid itself off. But in order to do that, it took one hell of a trick of accounting and it left the big banks getting bailed out to have to either A, repay the loans and B, pay a tax on that unearned income to make their debt go away. So basically the people paid for the banks. Yes. And the banks paid us back and at then, super, super, super low interest rates of 0.25%. Oh, fun. Oh, yeah. And then there's a weird guy that, weird old guy that seems to not know what he's doing with his life. You have to be a little more uh, specific there. The one that's not Trump. I don't know. This is American politics. We have a lot of weird old people. Yeah, but not all of them are running for president, thank goodness. I saw him on John Oliver. He's the guy that spoke through his tongue or something. I don't know how to describe him. Kind of like if if an old guy went off his meds. I don't know. That's the best yeah, well, description I can give. I'll check online if I can see his picture of him. Okay, because, you know, that could, that could be John McCain at some points. That could be yeah, but uh, I a Democrat or two I know. Yeah. Um, my biggest issue with um, with Dr. Jill Stein and the Green Party saying that she wants to use quantitative easing to pretty much wipe out all of student debt in one fell swoop of the stroke of the pen is the fact that our tax system is set up so that if I were to have one of my debts completely erased or if I were to get a free car and a sweepstakes, the IRS would see that as unearned income, that I got something for nothing. And that's as good as making this much money to pay off that debt, or it's as good as making this much money to buy that car that you got for free. And therefore, I would be liable for the tax on that. So if I were to have my student loans erased by a stroke of a pen by a President Jill Stein, then I have to pay the taxes on essentially overnight raising $30,000, which would completely put me in a hole because I make money, I pay my taxes, but I was not ready to pay off taxes for Oh, I just got like a $60,000 check out of nowhere. So it's kind of a dangerous precedent and a, and a horrible idea if you want to have everyone's student loans that are privately held wiped. Mm. It's different when having banks getting their debt wiped from the 2008 crash because they were making so much money per month that it, all they had to do was get this debt wiped and then they could catch up. I mean, I personally could not catch up if I had my student loans wiped overnight and then I had to pay the tax on that. So... Gary Johnson. Okay, yeah, Gary Johnson. I wouldn't consider him old. But then again, we have so many old people in politics right now. Well, to be honest, everyone is old to me in politics right now. Because, like, it's my mother's generation, so, like, why are you still alive? That's that's my notion right now. 
that's probably one of my biggest arguments about the Democratic Party as of late. When we see the groups for the young Democrats, it's like, what's the definition of young? It's like, oh, anyone under the age of 40. And I'm like, that doesn't seem young to me. And it's only because the younger millennials and the, the youth of America are just so sick and tired of politics. They're not getting involved. It's kind of making everyone age out and they're trying really hard to get people back involved. So I was so glad to see Bernie Sanders show up and re-energize the party and re-energize politics and try to get people involved again. And I can only hope that people who got interested this year because of him will stick around and come back in 2018 because we have these things called midterm elections, which we need to remember is really important because we've got people running for, say, the school board. And because of Texas being the biggest school textbook buyer, whatever Texas does for their school books turns into the textbooks that go all over the U.S. So our local elections are actually really important. I'm just thinking about the fact that old is not actually an age indication rather than a mindset indication because I think it's more like old values versus new values where you balance opinions and ideas because what I consider an old candidate is someone who just doesn't really work for the next generation and the actual future but tries to make big people comfortable now. That is honestly one of my biggest issues when it comes to legislation when it and um, the long-term ramifications of of how businesses have been operating under a capitalist society. Um, because we have banks going, I want to make another quarter, the next quarter of the year profits be so high, I don't care what I have to do, I'm going to do this. And because we've been doing that for the past two or three years, actually past ten years, that if we can exploit the workers just a little bit more, we can make this much more profit, then we're good and I'll get my bonus. But they don't see the 10-year fallout of you've now outsourced these jobs overseas and the buying power of the middle class has been lowered, so now you can't sell things here on a stateside like you used to. So congratulations, you made a little bit more money each time, but now you're getting diminishing returns and it's time for the, the truth to come home to roost of you have essentially exploited the system and now you can no longer make that same amount of money by squeezing a little bit more out of the working class so that the person in charge can say hey i made money for the company i get my share i'm out let's wipe all countries and restart it sounds like a better project more socialism exactly how do you wipe a country Do you want my honest opinion or the one that might land me in jail? Well, it seems like every conversation you have, Audie, ends up with Nazis in the story. So how would you wipe all the countries all at once? She got me there. (laughs) She did get me there. For people who don't know, I'm a third generation of, uh, of camp survivors. My grandparents are actual Holocaust survivors. And I'm against Nazism in a very, very, very strong way. I was raised traditional Catholic, and I had Mel Gibson's sister's family show up and deny the Holocaust ever happened. And I had to just kind of sit there as I was like 10 years old, look at this guy and say, my best friend's father has a tattoo of a number on his wrist. You can't tell me this didn't happen. Tell that to my grandmother. She would love to hear that it didn't happen because she saw her little sister get dragged along with her mother the last time she saw them. Yeah, I learned my lesson to not engage Mel Gibson. That's that's what I learned. 
I would love to engage Mel Gibson, mostly in a fist fight, but still. Well, you are short, so I think you could run away fast. <laughs> I don't run away, I evade. That's the fun part of being short. People just automatically assume you can't fight, and then you just go under them. It's what I learned. Plus, they're very surprised when you knock them over your shoulder. Remember when I told you how I knocked over a guy who's double my size? Mm-hmm. Fun times. You're a little bit scary, Eddie. Only a little bit? I need to try harder. Why haven't the Avengers stopped Trump? That's a good question. I think the fact that they're fictional might make it a little bit difficult for them, though. Unless you're just talking about the actual actors from the film getting together and taking down Trump. I'm still confused as to how Trump is a real person, so I'm asking about a fictional character. Well, there was that thing about um, Joss Whedon and, and all the Avengers are saying that we need to stop Trump. And if we do, we get a uh, special scene in the next Avengers movie. On Tuesday... November 8th, this country will make one of the most important... The most important... The most important decisions in its history. You have a chance. You have an obligation. To be a part of that decision. You might think it's not important. You might think you're not important. But that's not true. And the only way we can prove that to you is by having lots of famous people. Lots of famous people. Lots and lots of famous people. Just a shit ton of famous people. Repeating how important... Important. 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 How... Important it is. Register. 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 Vote. There's so many famous people. Some of us aren't as famous, but still pretty famous. Like, you've seen us somewhere. Sometimes a not famous person will be mixed in with the famous ones. They drive the message home because of their unpolished sincerity. Their unpolished sincerity. But you only get this many famous people together if the issue is one that truly matters to all of us. A disease or... Ecological crisis or... A racist, abusive coward who could permanently damage the fabric of our society. Do the math. But do we really want to give nuclear weapons to a man whose signature move is firing... Firing? Firing things? But we can end this nightmare before it begins. We can save the day. For our children. For our children. For our children. For our communities. For our communities. For our communities. For America. For America. For America. All it takes is all of us. All of us. All of us. We cannot pretend both sides are equally unfavorable. We can't say one vote doesn't matter. Your vote matters. Your vote matters. It affects everything. Not just the presidency, but the Senate. The House. Your local officials. Immigration. Student debt. Common sense gun laws. The Supreme Court. See, this isn't just an election. It's a tipping point. For the country. For the world. For your world. If you don't know how or where to register, go to savetheday.vote. Savetheday.vote. Make yourself heard. Tell the world that you care about what happens to it. And if you do vote and help protect this country from fear and ignorance, Mark will do a nude scene in his next movie. Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. We'll do a nude scene in his next movie. Wait, what, what? Mark will do a nude scene. Mark's gonna have his dick out. Full Monty. Full Marky. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Go to savetheday.vote. Where nobody talked about. Save the day. Make Mark be naked. By making your mark on November 8th. They should just vote because it matters, you know? Don't you think? We're all in this together. That's why the most popular or memorable actor is the last one you see. Really? Yeah, really. 
Let's do what Joss Whedon says. I think Joss Whedon should be president. Let's make Joss Whedon president. No, because he just make you love someone and then kill them in front of you just to see you suffer, because that's what Joss Whedon does. It's like Joss Whedon is the guy who will give you a puppy, and you'll you'll fall in love with that puppy, and then he'll say, this puppy has rabies, here's a gun, and he'll make you shoot the puppy yourself. Yes, that's, that's Joss Why Whedon. Why did you have to bring up Tara, Danny? Why? <laughs> because then after you shoot the puppy, that's when the doctor shows up with the vaccine going, didn't you get the message? And now you have a dead puppy. So did you have any other questions about um, politics here in the U.S. or what we are trying to do in the future? Because there's these different organizations in 2018. Bernie Sanders has this thing called Our Revolution. Some of his former staffers did the same thing but came out before him a little bit with something called Brand New Congress. And the Democratic Party is trying to keep a hold on all these things with something called the uh, Victory Leadership Council. I want to know why you guys don't have medicine, like actual medical, free medical help. Because capitalism and because there's an insurance agent that wants to make money between you and your doctor. My doctor gives me free medication. Well, not free medication, but free medical care. I don't think she really cares for your insurance company. That's the scariest thing about um, American uh, healthcare system is that you have to fill out forms to explain that you can be insured and you can pay for this before you get seen by a doctor. It just seems absolutely backwards and terrifying to me, if I'm being honest. And unfortunately, it scares people away from getting preventive care. So you only show up to the hospital in the emergency room and it gets really bad. And that's the, one of the worst things about our system is our healthcare system doesn't necessarily include dental care. And if you don't have dental care, then you're going to have heart problems. And then you're just kind of wondering why, why are we not being proactive on this stuff? Cause it's cheaper to not, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, there is this book about medical malpractice called Better to Kill the maim and they tried explaining how if a doctor caused an issue and the patient was maimed in the rest of their life that they were injured then they would be liable for so much more in damages than it would be if then if they just accidentally killed the patient so and it all goes back to insurance companies and how they deal with their coverage and how they deal with issues when it comes to malpractice and it's just like perhaps this is a system that shouldn't be running for profit because before we had the Affordable Care Act here in the U.S., we were having newborn babies declined for medical coverage and insurance for a pre-existing condition. It's like you're trying to prove your dystopian future. Oh, yeah. All the YA writers are just like, we don't even have to make shit up about this country. We just look at them. What happens if you're in labor and you can't pay? What actually happens? Because they can't... I'm fairly certain the baby still comes out. Well, yes, because, you know, biology still works that way and you can't shove it back inside. That could be terrifying and, you know, Republicans would be against it because it means that it's still a fetus and they have to care. But There are actual programs that are out here for Medicare, Medicaid, for those who may not be able to afford it, but more than likely, they will help you out, then they will stick you with a bill, and then they'll send debt collectors after you for the rest of your life. If I ever need medical help while in the U.S., I'm crossing over to Canada. Oh, wait, I have insurance because I'm not part of this weird country. 
One of the things that I've noticed through friends of mine on the internet who actually live in America is that a lot of people wanted Bernie running in the election. And since now that the actual presidential race is down to Hillary and Trump, a lot of the people who were supporting Bernie have turned around and said, well, Clinton's not the candidate I wanted. She's not as good as Bernie. There's all these different reasons why we don't support her. We don't like this. We don't like that. So I would rather not vote than vote for her. Is this something that you have come across yourself? Well, I was I was actually a delegate for Bernie Sanders on the Texas Democratic Convention and at the uh, national one in Philly. So, yes, I've seen a lot of people say that, you know, if I'm not going to have Bernie, then I'm not going to vote for Hillary. And I just I can't do that only because hold on. Mm. Because I have seen the issues and I was pushing for Bernie's ideas onto the platform. I was working with, um, with Lena, who was a Bernie platform person in Philadelphia. So I, I was doing everything I could to make certain that if Bernie didn't win, at least his ideas did. And they got onto the platform and I'm still going to push for those. And because of um, the unfortunate two-party system we have and the alternative is Trump and the way that the Republican Party has gone after minorities, how they say back the blue rather than um, Black Lives Matter. And I've seen the laws are trying to pass to say that they back the blue. And I just have to ask, why are you not allowing police body cameras as there is like this issue of, you know, empathy for a minority versus you must obey the person in charge. And if something bad happens to you, well, it's your fault for not acquiescing to the person who was given authority, even though they may be abusing it. I was actually at the Philadelphia convention with all the trans people there, and it was our first ever transgender caucus. And it was amazing to see at the Democratic National Convention, we had more transgender delegates there than the Republican National Convention had people of color as delegates. And if you know the breakdown statistics of minorities, there are a lot more people of color in the U.S. than there are trans people. So outreach is really horrible on the Republican side, and they were doubling down on the wanting to undo marriage equality, and there was a open lesbian on the platform committee for the Republican Party, and she was pleading, don't do this. So when I look at the parties, and I see their ideology, and I see that the Democrats are allowing and letting us push to be more inclusive and accepting, and I see the Republicans are ignoring someone who is in the LGBT community pointedly explain do not overturn marriage equality because there are rights afforded to it and it will never pass and I don't know it's like we're supposed to be stronger together and um, I'm thinking e pluribus unum out of many one we're supposed to be a better country because we are bringing our different parts together but the Republican Party is not doing that and that's why okay Bernie lost his ideas won and I'm going to side with Bernie's ideas you mentioned before we started recording about Bernie's new project, Our Revolution. Could you speak a little more about that for us? So Bernie Sanders was putting together something called Our Revolution, which was to essentially inspire the people who wanted him to win and say, all right, I can't do this alone, and we need to get people involved back in politics. We need to get more people to not just say, oh, I'll vote every four years, because we have midterm elections. We have lower-level elections. A friend of mine, Julie Nitsch, is running for the Austin Community College seat in the Board of Governors. And actually, she's been endorsed by our revolution now. 
Now, the idea is we need to get reinvested and reinterested in revitalizing the ideas that make our government great. And it's it's a shame to know that so many people think about politics and just shrug it off. And uh, Bernie Sanders and our revolution saying, no, get involved. You have skin in the game. You need to make certain that you are helping on all levels. And that's what they were doing. And that was his group was our revolution. Before our revolution became a thing, though, a lot of Bernie's um, top leaders after he left a certain state after the primary and they no longer needed them, he laid them off because he was no longer paying them. It's one of those funny things he didn't hear about when they kept saying that Bernie Sanders was laying off his staff. It's like he was actually paying them. So when they left, he officially laid them off and they decided to pick up the fight and they started something called Brand New Congress. Very similar idea, but rather than trying to focus on all sorts of races up and down ballots and on school boards and everything, Brand New Congress was specifically targeting the 535 seats in Congress, or should I say 435 seats in the House of Representatives. The idea there was to essentially get everyone who was a Republican or pro-corporate or corrupt out of office and get new people in. And with brand new Congress, they weren't going to play Republican or Democrat or Independent. They didn't care which party you ran as. They were going to essentially get everyone to run on the same ideas, the same principles. And if you're going to do better running as a Republican on these issues, go for it. If you can do better as an Independent here, go for it. Like The thing I loved about uh, brand new Congress was that they weren't running this like a political party. They were running it like a political insurgency. And that was just, it blew my mind when they said that. In some, in some districts, you can't get elected if you don't have a R after your name. So you will run and put an R after your name. Even though you'll be running like pretty much Bernie Sanders' agenda. I was just like, this is insane, but it might just work. And those are like the two big ones that came out of the Bernie Sanders movement. Uh, finally, there is one called the, uh, well, here in Texas, it's called the Texas uh, Victory Leadership something Council. There you go. It's a, it's a weird acronym. I can't remember it, but... I'm actually a part of it now here in Texas because it's the same idea, but the Democratic Party wants to try to keep them all in with the Democratic Party and say, hey, we want to work with you. We want to keep this thing going. So let's all work together to work for 2016 to win and move on to 2018. So there's all these different groups that are now forming up because there is more interest and there's more people who are all wanting to be part of the politics here. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing because it's... We need people to be energized. We need to have new ideas coming to the table. We need more people running for office. One of the reasons why I wanted to run for office myself was because I kept going to the different elections on election day or on the primary day. And my option was I can vote for the Republican or no one else. Like, there is a slot there. Vote for one candidate, and there's only one person there. Or it'd be Republican versus a Libertarian. Or it'd be a Green Party versus a Republican. And I'm just like, there's supposed to be at least two main parties, and then there's the Libertarians and Green Party. So I like at least four choices. And a lot of these races, it was, I'm running unopposed. And I kept thinking, someone should do something about that. Because we've got this, like, complete douche nozzle running unopposed, and they're going to have no reason to change what they're doing, and they're going to continue being a douche nozzle. So I finally got tired of thinking someone should do something about that. And I decided I was going to run against Pete Sessions because this was the last time I was going to see that Republican guy who said that the Orlando shooting wasn't a gay bar run unopposed by the Democratic Party. Like this is 2016, a presidential year. This is the best chance Democrats have to take out Republicans. And now with Trump as presidential frontrunner, this was the best chance for Democrats to 
pick out Republicans that were in long-held seats. And Pete Sessions was running unopposed in 2016. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. He's up against a libertarian and a Green Party. So he's going to win re-election. And I cannot believe this. Well, it seems like we've got the governor and lieutenant governor here in Texas trying to distract us from their ongoing cases of fraud by making this divisive wedge issue about we need to protect our women and girls from men in wigs in our bathrooms. It's it's ridiculous, and I cannot believe that so many people are, are either falling for it or just you know saying, well, we need to hear both sides of the story. And it's like, there's no both sides if you're just going to point at someone who is who looks different and says that I must obviously be a sexual predator. There's there's no he said, she said there. It's a you made a completely outrageous accusation and I'm supposed to say I apologize for existing? No, it's... It's absolutely horrible. And I cannot believe that, you know, 20 years ago, we were having this discussion on we can't let gay people teach our children because you know how they are. And now we're having the same conversation. They're just having to change a scapegoat to well, we can't let transgender people use a bathroom because you know how they are. Only now they're saying, well, it's not necessarily the transgender people. It's the actual predators. But we don't know how to differentiate them. Because obviously that's how predators try and enter bathrooms. They um undergo some sort of treatment and they uh, work really hard to change their information and they make people change their pronouns and you know months of therapy yeah yeah all these things that people go through just to um molest little kids that makes no sense only because i don't know if i really want to point out the most likely person to um, molest children i would point out the pastor of a church because apparently here in texas and in the south the one profession i keep seeing in news over and over getting in trouble for child molestation are religious leaders well statistically speaking the odds are that a person who gets uh touched sexually or uh, molested is by someone who knows them so it could either be a family member or a friend of the family or even someone who he views as a leader so yes a pastor can actually do that to an astonishing amount of kids and get away with it because pastors are holier than thou obviously they cannot sin and blah 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 you know my views on pastors I pastors view bastards hmm? Pastards, sorry. Pastards, they are pastards. Amy, we know the name of the episode. I, I actually think that the, the idea that people are, it's, it doesn't even make sense. That's the annoying part. They, they just try and find someone to put on the stake and burn them for something that just does not at all fit conceptual and social logic. But obviously, as I stated time and time again, humans do not follow logic despite what they want to believe about themselves. People get afraid and then they want to do something in order to feel less afraid. And that's why we allowed Bush to invade Iraq because they were coming for our freedoms. And there were obviously weapons of mass destruction, right? Except they weren't. And it was a complete farce. And, you know, invading Iraq did not make us safer. So perhaps we need to stop being afraid of so many things and start thinking for ourselves and start living free of fear because... Winston Churchill had it right. But you're asking for people to be too logical. Thinking for themselves, not fearing what's going on, getting their heads out of their asses. 
How dare you? Every once in a while, I come across a news article and it just inflames me. And as soon as I want to hit share, I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. I have to take a moment and I pause and I ask myself, is this actually true or is it completely misconstrued or is it written just to get an emotional um, knee-jerk reaction from me for me to, you know, repeat it without confirming it? And sure enough, if something comes across my newsfeed and I'm just like, I can't wait a minute. And I look it up and I'm like, okay, that's not actually what happened. And this was specifically written to, to extract a emotional reaction so that I would share it to get out a narrative that isn't right. And Surprise, the video works to get an emotional reaction. An Onion article to follow. At this yeah, point, I actually like... think The Onion is the best news source out there. Actually, I think I shared an article recently where I actually cited The Onion because it was um, Vice President Joe Biden saying he wanted to go behind the gym and pretty much uh, kick Donald Trump's butt. And everyone thought that was an Onion article at first. And I had to say no. Uh, Vice President Joe Lieberman, uh, you know, Uncle Joe, not Lieberman, uh, Joe Biden. Biden. Yeah, he's he's the kind of guy who will do whatever it takes to not be on the onion and will do it himself. So, you know, you see the headline and like, is this an onion article? Oh, no, no, no. Joe Biden actually threatened to kick uh, Donald Trump's butt. So. Well, to be honest, it's still not as bad as what Donald Trump said. Like, he's uh, he thinks uh, Trump's he can take out a gun on Fifth Avenue, shoot someone and nothing will happen to him. Or uh, if someone is getting ready to throw something at him, someone should just punch them and he will pay for the uh, legal Legal fees. Or, you know, anything else he ever said. And to be honest, as a person who is uh, neurologically disabled, the fact that he got away with humiliating a disabled reporter is just one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen a political candidate do. Mm -hmm. Trump just seems to be a spoiled child. I'm willing to go and kick Donald Trump's ass, and it would be glorious. He would try to sue you for all the money you have. He would try, but I can always say that, um, A, I'm insane, because apparently this works in the U.S. B, he provoked me, which... Technically, it's true, because he did side with the KKK unofficially, and he did provoke disabled uh, media workers, which I am still part of. Also against LGBT people, still part of them. Technically, everything he says and does can be called as provocation, and I can legally attack him. I don't think that's how the law works here in the U.S. I don't care. I'm fairly certain that a grand jury would never want to convict you for doing something that they would want to do themselves. Well, now that this has gone completely off the rails, was there anything else we needed for this uh, lovely conversation that will undoubtedly end with me never running for office again? (laughs) Either that or your your supporters would love this. (laughs) I must denounce any violence towards Donald Trump because he is surrounded by lots of skinheads. The last thing I'd really ask is, what would you say to anyone who's undecided how to vote in the upcoming election? What would your advice to them be? I would honestly say to look at the platform because it is a living document that reflects the morals and the way that the party feels. Because in 2012, we had the Republican Party here in Texas try to criminalize and denounce rational thinking. Apparently, they thought that was a liberal plot. Um, They're trying to reverse marriage equality. Uh, the Democratic one, we were doing our best to bring about the best ideas from Bernie and Hillary Clinton. I mean, you may not like Hillary Clinton, and that's fine, but 
you look down ballot and you see the people who are running in different races, there are some great people in my district, in my area, that are running, and I'm going to definitely vote for them. I mean, I'm also voting for Hillary Clinton, and that's only because I have been doing the research, and I've seen what I've been able to do, and I feel much more comfortable with her as president than I do any of the other three people running for office right now. So, and to be honest, you just need to look at the issues and see where you want to see the country move in the next few years, because you see... I mean, if you just look at the platform and you see how they want to treat minorities and how they want to treat the least of us, you have to ask yourself if that's how, how you want to see your country in, uh, move forward. Because I look at Donald Trump and I look at the Republican platform and it reminds me of the movie Children of Men. It is kind of horrific. It's a police state and they are not representing any kind of democracy or freedom that I recall or I recognize. So... I guess that's all I'd have to say. So, vote with your brain, otherwise we're going to actually start the Hunger Games. You know, the Hunger Games actually had lots of te technological advances that we don't have yet, so it would be worse than the Hunger Games. It might just be Battle Royale. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for our first special guest episode. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did... You can follow us over on Twitter by searching at underscore everything left. You can like us on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash everything left podcast. Or you can even email us. Our address is everything left podcast at outlook.com. We're also on SoundCloud, Acast, iTunes, Podbean and a whole host of other providers. So be sure to follow us so that you never miss an upcoming episode. As always, Addy, thank you for joining us. I had a really good time. And a big thank you to you, Danielle, for coming on and being our very first special guest. No problem. Good luck in the election. We are all really, really hoping your country doesn't end up imploding. No, same here. And good luck when you run yourself in 2018. Thank you very much. Please make sure your country doesn't implode. I still have to visit there. I'll do my best. <laughs> thank you again, everyone, for listening. Take care.